And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. After an emotional week and a big-time game against England, the U.S. women's national team is back in action against a Spain team depleted thanks to player protests. Steph Young is here to tell us what to expect. I'm Alex Abnos from The Athletic, and this is Soccer Every Day for Tuesday, October 11th. The U.S. women's national team returns to action today in a friendly against Spain. This is, of course, following the team's 2-1 loss to England at Wembley in a friendly last week. And, of course, that result came after a long week of fallout from the Yates report. Lots of questions asked of players about the prominent history of harm, abuse, coercion, all those sorts of things. Uh, The reporting on that will continue. It's important, and you'll find a lot of it on The Athletic. But for now, I have Steph Young here with me to, I think, thankfully, talk a little bit about soccer. How's that sound, Steph? I completely agree with you, thankfully, to just (laughs) talk about soccer, even for a few minutes. Well, you were in London last week uh, for that game against England alongside our colleague Meg Linehan. There were a few really, really interesting takeaways that you wrote about at The Athletic. That story is going to be linked in the show's description. There's a little bit about VAR which we don't have to get into here because it's frustrating (laughs) and also because it's really hard to illustrate in audio. Uh, There was also a takeaway from basically all three lines on the field, though, forwards, midfield, and defense. And let's just go ahead and dive into it. Let's start right up top. Sophia Smith. She was excellent against England, wasn't she? I know. It was hard not to watch that game, and then every few minutes your eye would just get drawn to her for one reason or another. Um, I think she's really excellent in a lot of things that she's being asked to do, which, you know, it sounds obvious, but, like, whether things. she's playing in that winger role or whether she's coming more centrally or, or you know, straight out playing a nine, she has, like, so many tools. And she's, like, she's just so good with one simple touch or, like, the way she leans her body, she opens up the space. And then before you know it, she's put a shot on goal. It's insane how quickly she can just turn and then bam. Do you think that she, owing at least partially to her versatility, is she basically a must-start player for the U.S. women at this point? Um, Or what's the competition like? You know, because she seems like the kind of player that can fit in, yes, at the nine, if maybe Alex Morgan isn't ready to go for whatever reason. But you could put her at either wing and it'll be dangerous, right? Yeah, I think so. I mean, obviously, primarily she's being used on the right, but she's asked to switch with Mal Pugh as necessary, whether, you know, maybe they're trying to create an overload somewhere. Um, So, yeah, I I just think she can go pretty much anywhere and be really dangerous wherever she is, which is, I think, absolutely makes her a must start because no matter what formation you're using, you know, right now, Vlatko seems to primarily favor the 4-3-3. she can definitely be super versatile in that, at least. Well, that was obviously a, a big, big strong point for the U.S. in that uh, loss to England. A little bit less of a strong point, though, was the midfield, and specifically 
You wrote a little bit about the play of Andy Sullivan at sort of the number six uh, defensive midfielder position. She came out for Sam Coffey in the 63rd minute. Um, what sort of things did you identify that Andy Sullivan struggled with or that she was maybe not put in the best position by the system? Uh, could her struggles there open the door for a player like Sam Coffey or somebody else, or maybe an entirely different arrangement of midfield? I think it has to be a different arrangement of midfield if another midfielder is really going to get a crack at it. If you look at the lineups for this past year, it's clear that Vlako Ananovsky favors Andy Sullivan in kind of that sixth role if he's going to play in the 4-3-3. Um, the problem is that she just needs more help there. I don't necessarily know if it was Andy Sullivan doing anything wrong, but a lot of my primary impressions from that game were of her just like cranking her arms and legs as fast as she could to try and cover a space that was a little bit too open. And I just don't think that that's a personnel issue because I don't think Sam Coffey is noticeably, you know, faster or, you know, able to cover a lot more ground than Andy Sullivan so that it would make up for all these problems. Is this a situation where the U.S. is really, really missing Julie Ertz? Because the one thing I would identify as Julie Ertz's strength in that spot is that she just covers so much ground and puts out fires all over the field. And you kind of can't build anything through the mid through the midfield, through the middle of the field when she's there. Yeah, I think it's where you're missing a Julie Ertz or an Ertz-type player. The problem is, you, where do you find another Julie Ertz? Like, yeah. Annie Sullivan has her own strengths. It's absolutely, like, in no way saying that she's bad because she's not Julie Ertz. Like, she's good because she's Andy Sullivan. But, yeah, if Julie Ertz doesn't want to come back or if Julie Ertz no longer has the gas to be Julie Ertz, then you're going to have to not play like you want a Julie Ertz in that space. Do you think that this, this, this uh, sorry that this could have a maybe ripple effect farther up the field? Because if you're dedicating more bodies, a different arrangement in midfield to sort of shield the back line, that maybe has less opportunity for creative midfielders farther up the field. Uh, do you think that this is a trade-off that Vlaco's willing to make? Maybe. I mean, I think there's definitely still formations and players he could use where he doesn't have to make so much of a, a trade-off there. I think we also need to remember that Katerina Macario is oh, yeah. she's coming. <laughs> she's coming. She's on the horizon. She's rehabbing, apparently in Qatar, which, wild. Interesting. Um, and then, yeah, Blacko has said that she, if she's fit in any way, that he has to find space for her somewhere in this formation and one would think maybe that's kind of in a 10 role or center attacking mid something like that um i don't think he'll play her necessarily as a nine she's way more valuable to him a little bit deeper looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24 7 us-based live customer service from discover everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime day or night yep you heard that right you can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Well, let's 
finish it up with defense. From my perspective, watching at home, like many people, I was super impressed with the play of Naomi Gurma. She is a young player, but was really composed, had a lot of speed, great 1v1 defender, knows how to, you know, tackle physically without fouling, I would say. Did all those things come through in person? What did you think about her performance? And who do you think is her best partner going to be in central defense if she ends up becoming a fixture with the U.S. Women's National Team? Yeah, I thought Girma looked great. She looked composed. She didn't look, you know, prone to anything too risky back there. Yet at the same time, she didn't look risk averse, if that makes sense, right? She didn't look like she played it way too close to the chest so that, you know, it doesn't open up other opportunities. But I don't think anybody should be surprised by that. She's done it for a full season in NWSL. And I think if you do something consistency for consistently for a full NWSL season, and she's done it for the national team, you know, that's kind of the test, right? That's a pretty yeah. big crucible to pass. It shows that she's got the legs for it. Um, and she's got the head, the headspace for it to kind of stay mentally in the game for so long. I think she has to be a first choice player by the time the World Cup rolls around. Obviously, the three primary uh, partners for her that you're probably looking at are Becky Sauerbrunn, Alana Cook, and then eventually Tierna Davidson mm -hmm. in that space. Um, I would be super interested to see what the Davidson-Girma pairing looks like. Uh, between Girma and Cook, they just haven't had a bunch of time. I feel like this is only the second game or something like that this year where the two of them got significant time together. They got some time together during uh, uh, CONCACAF qualifying in Monterrey. But, you know, obviously you need more time as center backs to gel. I think you know, Germa is also a player you can look at who can hit that diagonal, who can switch play out of the back. So, you know, yeah, I would be interested in seeing who her partner was. Very sadly, I do think Becky Sauerbrunn is maybe coming into the sunset era of her career. She's yeah. slowing down a little bit, making a few more mistakes here and there, which is like, I feel the cold chokehold of mortality approaching <laughs> <laughs> whenever yeah. I think about that. So between Cook and Davidson, really, is who I want to see, you know, more time. Well, it's, it'll be interesting to see uh, how it looks against Spain, moving quickly to today's game against Spain. I know we wanted to talk just about soccer, but sometimes this stuff is just unavoidable. Spain will be playing without 15 players who essentially remove themselves from consideration for the national team in opposition to the team's head coach, Jorge Vilda. Uh, they're alleging that he perpetuates a toxic environment around that national team just to put a blanket sort of categorization over it. Uh, there are a lot of specific things within that. Uh, the players not called up also includes Alexia Puteas, who is personally my favorite player in women's football right now, though she is also recovering from an injury. Jenny Hermosa will also not be there. Both those players have expressed support for the 15 that refused to get called up. Steph, given all of those absences, and there are quite a few of them, is this the test that the U.S. maybe thought they were getting when they booked Spain for this friendly, however long ago it was, months and months ago? Probably not. I mean, even if the you know players coming in are of a similar quality, it's they don't have as much time to prepare. They're in turmoil, both like in terms of training and emotionally. And you know, emotional turmoil was certainly a part of the U.S. Women's National Team camp as well. And I think that was also a factor that we had to account for when they played England and maybe now coming up against Spain. Um, I mean, 
I'm sure they'll do what they always do, though, whenever they face an opponent where there's a lot of unknowns, which is they tend to say, you know, we're going to focus on ourselves and that's where they'll land. Do you think there's any chance whatsoever we could see a joint demonstration pregame similar to what we saw against England, where they wore the teal armbands, they had the Wembley? I I don't think we're going to see the stadium lit up any specific color in Spain, but who knows? Is that a complete non-starter with Vilda still very much on the sidelines for Spain? Yeah, I don't know. Because as we have to point out with England, they had the buy-in from like the FA and lighting up Wembley. It, it's not somebody who's climbing up there and placing all the light bulbs <laughs> yeah. in an act of resistance, right? That was like, it, as callous as this sounds, it's an unproblematic PR thing for the FA to do to be like, of course we want to stand against victims of sexual abuse and harassment. Sure. So yeah, we'll buy in with that and you can do the banner and everything. Whereas with these players, I don't think the Spanish Federation is going to be like, go ahead, light up the stadium in your colors and things like that, yeah. you know, in support of these 15 players who are publicly defying us. So it might have to be a much more like Gidea kind of thing, but I think it would be cool if they did. Well, it'll be interesting to see if, it, if anything actually happens. And regardless, we appreciate your insight as always. I'm looking forward to seeing how the U.S. does against Spain. Thank you for coming on the show today. Thanks, Alex. Before we go, a quick TV guide for today. All times are Eastern and first on the docket, obviously, the game we've been talking about all episode long, Spain versus the United States from Pamplona. That will be at 2.30 p.m. Eastern on ESPN2 in the United States. It's also a big day in the Men's Champions League. All of these games today are going to be on DAZN in Canada or on Paramount Plus in the United States. There are two windows of games, as usual, one at 12.45 p.m. and one at 3 p.m. Three of them to watch at 12.45 p.m., Copenhagen versus Manchester City. Once again, that'll be on Paramount Plus or Tudayene if you prefer to watch in Spanish in the United States. As Brooks Peck said in the weekend draft episode from last week, you simply have to watch what Erling Haaland does. He may not play in this one, just maybe due to rest and due to the competition and due to the fact that Manchester City already has one foot in the knockout stage. But even if he plays just a few minutes, there's a pretty good chance he's going to score a goal. Once again, that will be at 12.45 p.m. Two games at 3 p.m. that I really, really recommend tuning in for if you're not watching the Golasso whip-around show. Milan versus Chelsea is the big one. Both of these teams are on four points in a very, very tight group. Christian Pulisic scored over the weekend for Chelsea, and Sergino Dest is now playing for AC Milan because of an injury to Davide Calabria. That will be a really interesting game with a lot of interesting players involved. And of course... Also at 3 p.m., PSG versus Benfica, also on Paramount+. Plus. These are the two best teams in Group H. They're tied on points, and whoever wins will have an inside track on a better seed in the knockout rounds once those come around. This show is produced by Mike Zimmerman with help from John Hayes. You can get ad-free versions of the show by subscribing to The Athletic and listening in the app. Thank you so much for listening, and happy soccer to you all. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. 
Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.